You are listening to a Nerd Room podcast production. We the Nerd. Bunch of nerds. Hey everyone and welcome to the Nerd Room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, DC, and beyond. This episode number 338, we're discussing Black Adam and the start of the new era at DC Studios. I'm one of your hosts, Tim. And I'm a very, very happy Carlos. Yes, you are. What a difference two weeks makes. Guys, we took last week off. I was on a couple other podcasts and said to myself, you know what? Let's take a breather and wait for Black Adam to arrive as Carlos was out of the city and unable to record and we left the last episode, episode number 337, where we talked about the hierarchy of power changing inside of DC. And we contemplated that line and whether or not it meant anything. Did it foreshadow what was coming? Was it just us reading into it? Well, it turns out, either by coincidence or by fate, that that line actually means something very important now. And not only inside of the context of Black Adam, which we are going to give our full spoiler review on today. But also, Carlos, there's some pretty big news that has made you one giddy DC fan that was announced back-to-back over the last two days, and probably some of the most significant news in the history of DC Studios. Yeah, man. I'm excited, and are like so excited, in fact, that you wanted to get to this off the jump, and yeah, I guess we'll do a cosmic treadmill style, and we'll go back in time from the newest news to uh, the Black Adam review, which ironically was just a movie that came out this weekend, but mm-hmm. it uh, was the catalyst for so much change, the biggest of which being we finally have it. We have a DC studio. DC Films is no longer as a silo under Warner Brothers Pictures, and we have DC Studios headed up by the brain trust of Peter Safran and James Gunn. And man, like, we kind of voiced that that would be an ideal scenario with having multiple people running the studio. Just, you're not going to find your Kevin Feige, so why try? Put people in place that can bring all those things that the one guy does. And holy smokes, I I said James Gunn was a guy I wanted in the fold, but I didn't think it was going to happen in a month of Sundays. But... Mm. uh Holy smokes, like, I can't tell you how happy I was to read those two names as being the folks shepherding DC Studios and all the things we'll see in the media space from DC for the foreseeable future. Four-year contract? For at least the next four years. Apparently that contract that they signed is about four years long with James Gunn taking the creative role and Peter Saffron taking more of the business and the producing side of the spectrum of business that is headed under what will be co-chairs and co-CEOs of DC Studios. And what a bombshell. I agree with you, man. Like, James Gunn is always that almost fan cast, if you will, for that role. But something that I personally never thought would come to fruition. He is a immense creative mind. And someone that's put out some of the best DC and Marvel content over the last 10 years. 
and to remove him from that, which he's not really doing. Apparently, he's going to be filling both roles and still delivering things like Peacemaker Season 2 and I think there's another movie in the pipe. But removing from that seemed like, you know, is that a detriment to DC? But at the end of the day, I think having him not only with his his creativity and his foundation inside of comic books and specifically DC, but also having experience, I think, building a universe, if, if I can bring a little Marvel into this. Like, he, he's been there since... When did Guardians come out? 2014? So he, he's kind of been in that space, seen it grow, seen them go through Infinity War and Endgame and all that, and he did have his, his rough patch there with Marvel. But he's seen this executed, and he probably has both lessons learned from that and also a new path that he would like to take DC studios. And so I see this as a, as a giant win. I'm, I'm stoked to see James Gunn taking on like such a huge role inside of, of Hollywood. Cause to be honest with you outside of really star Wars and Marvel, like DC is probably the most fertile IP and maybe is the most fertile IP because it hasn't been leveraged in the same way. These other studios have leveraged the Star Wars and Marvel IP. And so there are big things on the horizon for DC Studios. And I, you know, everyone's going to focus on James Gunn. Peter Saffron brings a lot to the table with him producing things like The Conjuring, I believe, the franchise he was behind that, as well as the Aqu- uh, Aquaman, Shazam, a lot of more recent stuff too. And so there's a lot of power behind those two. And at times people will say, well, is two heads better than one? And, you know, is, do you need two captains on a ship? I think this is the best direction, as like you said, finding a single human being to do this is probably not realistic. Yeah, and the thing people forget is that Kevin Feige actually came to Marvel Studios as a producer. So he's yes. the guy who um, you know, would move the money and secure financing and figure out what pictures they wanted to develop. So I think Peter Safran has a track record that proves that he's going to be great in that role. Uh, and one where, with having the tandem, where he can defer the creative choices to mm. James Gunn. And I love that he's a bit of a fanboy, and he's the guy that brought James Gunn into DC in the first place. Like, there's a story about them working out and him kind of throwing it out there that he should come play in the DC sandbox when he was on the outs with Marvel, and the rest is history type of thing. So... Yeah, it, it's exciting, and I think it's a smart choice, right, where people know what their roles are, they they have their lanes, and I can see saddling somebody like James Gunn with kind of the talent deals and the money parts of it, uh, burning him out. And then on the inverse of that, somebody like Peter Safran being um, anchored down with creative decisions and trying to give direction – um, taking that away from an executive and a, and a quote-unquote suit is nothing but a positive. So if you have someone who has a proven track record and can make lots of different types of movies very enjoyable and crowd-pleasing in James Gunn, shepherding your creative forces and somebody like Peter Safran, who's proven to be an astute producer, taking care of the money things and making sure that your universe is growing in a viable direction and making those adjustments. It just feels like a smart, well-thought-out move by Warner Brothers Discovery to bring these two guys in. And um, 
and just the fact that it's DC Studios, like they have been confirmed from mm-hmm. the head man himself that they are their own entity and um, they'll kind of work in tandem with Pam Abdi and Michael DeLuca for Warner Brothers Pictures. But technically, I was, I was wrong before. I thought they reported to DeLuca, but they actually report directly yeah. to Zaslav. Yeah. Which is So this is a very awesome. similar framework to what, to what Marvel has, right? With Kevin Feige reporting to Bob Number Two and previously to directly to Bob Iger, as a as a separate studio head, yeah, which DC has never ever had. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the future. It sounds like a Superman project is like been tendered and they're looking for writers, and it's kind of the priority for the studio right now. I'm excited about small things like. Patty Jenkins has a Wonder Woman movie that's going to get set to go in front of cameras. But if you look at the issues with Wonder Woman 84, like I think Wonder Woman 84 was a well-made movie that some of the story choices really let down. But if you have somebody like Gunn there that can kind of work with her who's been in that chair that can shore up some of those story points, maybe we'll see a return to form and we'll get another original Wonder Woman movie out of the third one in this trilogy type of thing. So mm. yeah, those are the, that's the part that gets me really excited for him coming into the fold. Yeah. And it's, it's really comes down for me to it's decisions that have been made and now you have people in the driver's seat. Like that's very important, right? You know, DC has had people advocating for it and had people steering it, but maybe not in the direction that, is getting the total value out of it. And now you have two people with autonomy sitting in front of that and and really working the brand of DC. I think it's going to take a couple of years. Like, I don't think there's going to be an overnight pivot and change in DC Studios. I We're going to talk about maybe one <laughs> coming, but it's going to take time for these guys to set up what they need to do and get all these things rolling in production, get 2023 out of the way with a lot of big films on tap to come out and then including Aquaman two and flash. So it's going to be exciting to see how they do things differently, but also how they kind of steady the ship and point it in the direction of success first and then continue to move. And so as much as Zaslav has been kind of a bit erratic in his decision-making, it seems that it all comes down to getting the studio head in place and letting them run the show where there's not existing decisions that have come in in between mm-hmm. owners of the studio or owners of DC films that are being dealt with. So there is the fallout from the current films and how we how that all shakes up, which I'm assuming Gunn has had a bit of a hand in some of this stuff. Like I'm assuming that, okay, yeah, maybe some of this has come forward in the last couple of weeks to months. But some of this creative jostling that's been going on in the background with you know, the likes of Batman and Superman and, and, and companies, there, there seems to be, I think when you look at the everything, how it's aligning up here, there seems to be some consistency that, you know, James Gunn isn't coming into a house that has made a bunch of decisions that he's going to have to walk back over the next six to eight weeks type thing, right? Yeah, and you know what? Like, maybe some of those decisions that Warner Brothers Discovery is making is just some tough love type of thing, right? Where it's like, yeah, we'd Mm -hmm. like to have all these things in place and just let the art speak for itself. But when the finances aren't working, then, you know, you're in a position where as a prudent business CEO, 
you need to make sure things work for your shareholders, which is just the unfortunate reality of big business mm -hmm. and art coming together. So, um, yeah, if we had to go through those dark days to pave the way for this, like, I don't know, I'm kind of here for it, to be honest with you. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And we'll see what happens. Like, word is, is that not everything will fold into DC Studios. Like, things like Joker yeah. will remain under Warner Brothers Pictures. The Batman, I don't know. Um, yeah, there's still some conjecture as to where that lands. Yeah. Reeves kind of budding universe there. And, but I think all like the DC or former DCEU stuff is all landing under Gun and, and Saffron, as far as I can tell. All the Aquaman, Wonder Woman, all that Batman, any like DCEU Batman stuff. So it'd be interesting to see where Reeves stuff falls. Yeah. And I think that's actually a bit of an ideal circumstance, to be honest with you, where you're audience knows that things from the DC studios side of the house will have a certain flavor and a certain interconnectivity. And then the things that Warner brothers pictures is doing will be standalone and kind of their own thing type of thing. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be curious to see how it shakes out, but it's exciting. I really believe in the people that they've got uh, in the two chairs and it's like, honestly, I, couldn't ask for a better circumstance quite frankly mm -hmm. like no this is better and than dan lynn even i think yeah man like this this is this is monumental news and it, it comes hot on the heels of another major announcement in the form of a spoiler so we're gonna put a, our spoiler our black adam spoiler tag up here guys right now because we're actually gonna talk about that end credit scene <laughs> And the fallout from that with a huge announcement. And so teased heavily, spoiled maybe for almost everybody. Henry Cavill Superman does make an appearance at the end of Black Adam. Comes, I don't think face to face with him, but he's definitely on screen, full Superman. I don't think Cavill and The Rock are in the same room together in that scene. But nonetheless, he's back inside of a DC Studios film. And then he came out with an announcement, Carlos, and I think it's only appropriate if you deliver what that announcement was coming out of the first weekend of Black Adam. Yeah, Henry Cavill confirmed that he is back as Superman and that what we saw in Black Adam is just a taste of things to come. And he promised that uh, he's going to be bringing bigger better, more beautiful things uh, to the DC screen as Superman. And man, like I was on cloud nine here in that news. Like it was so unexpected to get that, but just the clarity and communication that you get that announcement from the man himself, not mincing mm. any words, just kind of right out on front street. This is what's happening. I'm confirming that. I'm going to be throwing the cape back on and that you have the verified Warner brothers outlets and DC comics and everybody else promoting that and celebrating that. And then to see the internet just catch fire with yes. Henry Cavill, Superman news. Like it just, it screamed as to the importance of the character and what he means to people and that there's an appetite for Superman. So like, honestly coming out of the fight to get him into Black Adam in the first place, they couldn't ask for a sweeter endorsement 
um, for that decision. And, you know, maybe a few bridges were burned and some hurt feelings um, with getting him in the movie. But at the same time, it paid off in spades. Like, DC has owned the internet for the last three or four days, and certainly the last two, based on the studio announcement and the Cavill announcement. So, yeah, man. Eclipsing two Marvel Studios trailers, which we're going to talk about next week. But those quickly fell to the wayside. And one of those trailers had freaking Kang the Conqueror in it. (laughs) Yeah, which is crazy, right? Like, that just speaks to how big the news was for people. Like, I would have never, ever, ever in a million years have thought that a Marvel Studios trailer that showcases your first look at your major villain for the next phase or two would be a complete non-event because of Mm -hmm. Superman's Instagram video. Yeah, (laughs) it's crazy. It's crazy. And it goes to the discussion we had two weeks ago when we were talking about Dwayne Johnson, The Rocks, his words that he's used over the last two years stemming and going all the way back to 2020's DC fandom. And there's a tweet I'm going to read here from from Dwayne Johnson because, you know, we, we, we talked about all the conjecture around Henry Cavill over the last couple of years and is he coming back? No, yes, don't know. But there seemed to be an advocate in the background for not only Superman, but Henry Cavill actually filling those boots and putting on that cape one more time. And Dwayne Johnson writes, we fought for years to bring you back. They always said no. But to Daniel Garcia, Hiram Garcia, and himself, no was not an option. We can't build out our DCU without the world's greatest superhero, and fans will always come first. Welcome home. I'll see you down the road. Black Adam. Amazing. Like that, There goes the advocacy and the power that Dwayne Johnson has. And he proved that not only in Black Adam, at the box office, in his individual delivery of that character, but also in him advocating on behalf of the fans for what could have been the last two years. And there's times when I've fully agreed with the decision-making process inside of DC about scrapping DCEU. Maybe you need to start again. I don't know. But Dwayne Johnson and what is likely the new brain trust here are going to pick and pull all the sweet spots from the last eight or whatever years of filmmaking it's been and and push on with that. And Henry Cavill is a big cornerstone of that. And that's recognized by DJ and has been for a long time. And seeing him not only show up inside of Black Adam, but also to come out here and say, here we go. We've got something worked out. We're moving forward. I'm Superman again. Like that's And him stating, like, does he say in the video that he is Superman again? Yeah. he's He basically says, like... I, what the heck does he say? It, it's very unequivocal. Yeah, like I, like I will be continuing on as Superman. Yeah, because I, I, I'd, I'd have to go back and re-listen to it because if he says I'm back, that implies that there was an end at some point, right? Um, and you know, Dwayne Johnson saying here, "Welcome home." It's there was a departure, right? Like there was a time when he wasn't going to be Superman. And I think we all knew that, but I don't know if that was ever explicitly put out there, that they're searching for a new Superman. You know, there's talks of different Superman stories being told. But I don't know if there's anyone that ever said, Henry Cowell is no longer Superman. But I think inside of this video, to me, I get to feel that, you know, there was a time when he himself was even certain that he would never don the cape again. 
And here we are, just a few short weeks later, and he is back. There is likely going to be a fairly substantial push for a massive Superman story to be told, solo story, as well as an eventual crossing a pass between Black Adam and Henry Cavill Superman. Yeah, and like is Superman being the cornerstone of the DC universe, it's perfect because he is a character that can kind of ebb in and out of pretty much anyone's stories because you play him as Batman's best friend and a mentor to Dick Grayson. You can have him show up in Gotham-type stories as is happening in the current Batman book right now. Um, You have him just showing up and assisting your other DC heroes. So he's perfectly positioned because he is Superman and can be all over the place all the time to kind of be that low-key connective tissue that you really want to start reinforcing and it'll give him lots of chances for people to fall in love with him so that's that's exciting for me and it, and it's just like it's palpable like people are jazzed about this like troy has been blown up my dm about like buying different runs of superman and asking when like books are launching and stuff like that so amazing it, yeah it just like it's a cool time to be a superman fan and like just to go back and touch on a point that you made about the last eight years like I've been a huge supporter of Walter Mata. I think he did a really admirable job in an unenviable circumstance coming in at kind of the lowest point of the brand and putting out some extremely special projects. But like his blocking of Cavill coming back as Superman, especially seeing the reception to the announcement that he's coming back, that's a bit of a deal breaker. It's, it's, I don't know, you're like in a managerial role. It's like one of your subordinates being a rock star employee, but cratering a major account. Like you can't keep that guy around after that, right? Like mm-hmm. no matter what the rest of the track record was, if they're going to be an impediment to your your biggest and best piece of business, you, you kind of got to do what's best for you and yours. So yeah, I'm... I'm excited, like, just to go back to our other conversation, like, how could the future not look bright? You've got your biggest character back in a meaningful way. People are excited about him, and you've got two guys that love and respect him. going to be shepherding that. It's a pretty awesome circumstance. Yeah, and then you layer on the Seven Bucks production studio and all that they bring to the table here, which I'm assuming is going to have a larger partnership in constructing the universe alongside of the new co-chairs and co-CEOs. Like there, there's a hand there, uh, a subtle, maybe big, huge rock sized hand that will be helping shepherd all of this through as well. I think. Oh man, I, I fully anticipate drinking my Henry Cavill Superman Zoa energy drink so that I can get my <laughs> pump on while, uh, using my black Adam shoes in the gym. But, uh, yeah, yeah like, it just makes sense. And actually one of the cool things that I picked up, um, and I I think there's a fair amount of truth to it, but Henry Cavill t- has spoken about informing the depiction of Superman in the post credit scene of Black Adam. And so the things that we got that were very intentional was the suit is the Man of Steel suit as opposed to the BVS or Justice League suits, but it's infinitely brighter and more... Mm-hmm true blue and red with that yellow popping than it ever looked in 
um, the previous films with him in it. He's got that beautiful split crow, which like mm-hmm. it, it it always boggled my mind that they didn't have it on that Superman, particularly because Cavill's hair naturally falls that way. So it's like, why isn't Clark the guy with the slicked back hair and Superman has the cool Henry Cavill hair? which he's had yes. for 80 years in the comics. But uh, that and then the Williams theme playing. Like, I think they made mm-hmm. a ton of statements with how he looked, the music that played, and even the words that he uses on on screen. They are very soft. They're conversational. Non-confrontational. Exactly. When he's going into the lion's den and... You know, he's kind of in a position where he's talking to this dude who's supposed to be the biggest, baddest guy on the block. And he's like, yeah, I want to talk. But the way that it's not we got to talk and it's going to be with our fists, it's like you, you genuinely get the sense that it's like, yeah, I don't don't want to start a fight. Let's figure things out type of thing, which yeah. is awesome. Like, that's how Superman's supposed to be. So if Cavill did, in fact, have that much influence on how that scene played, that's amazing to me. That's mm-hmm. amazing to me. Yep. 20 seconds makes all the difference in the world. And I think that is a nice spot to pivot over to Black Adam. You know, we've already discussed the end of the film. Let's go back to the start here, man. Let's let's talk about Black Adam. Let's talk about your experience. Now, you went and saw it with the fam. And then you joined me for a second viewing just this past Sunday. So it's still pretty fresh in, your mi- in my mind. But I got to hear your kind of first general reactions to black adam walking out of the theater how did you feel man it's to go back to kind of my twitter reaction on it it is just pure rock and roll it Mm -hmm. starts it doesn't stop going and it's basically all those parts of comic book movies that we watch like cards on the table we all fast forward to the end of avengers endgame when thanos shows up and the big mm-hmm. three are facing off against him into the portal scene, right? Like, that's where we all go. Civil War, we all fast forward to the uh, airport scene. That's where we watch Point Forward go, right? And so Black Adam is basically two hours of those scenes, strung together, fist pumping, crowd cheering type moments, one after another. And it's awesome. If I if it is rock and roll beginning to end, if I have a gripe with it, it's that it could be, it could have been an amazing rock opera that said a few more things in a bit more um, salient a manner. But for what it is, like it is just pure fun beginning to end. And mm. it feels very much like a choice. It feels like they seeded things that they could have explored more, but that they chose to just, everybody leaves with a smile on their face. Let's go. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, man, I loved it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I want to pick up on some of those threads a little later. I talk, talk you specifically talking about, um, the, the pacing of it a little bit. And I, I think, I think this film is very intentional in what it does and what it doesn't do is maybe another thing that I think was very intentional. So we'll come back to that. But yeah, the the reaction across the board has been very, very positive in the fan space. I haven't seen really anything negative um, outside of some of the critics, which 
like I'm completely done with like after this, you know, what came out. And then after my experience, it's like, I don't think we're watching the same movies for the same reasons anymore. Mm-hmm. And I walked into black Adam excited. You can go back and listen to my excitement level on the vigilante black Adam tailgate on YouTube, if you really want. But I had said on there that this was probably the most excited I've been for a film in the DC space, but even inside of the DC Marvel space, the comic book movie space, since probably the Batman and previous to that, like I, I didn't get this hyped for Multiverse of Madness, for Thor Love and Thunder. You know, Black pa- Panther is going to be a different level, but I was excited because for, I, I just felt like I was being invited for an experience again and invited for a fun comic book movie. Low barrier for entry. Let's just get in it and go. And that's what it delivered for me. I had a flipping riot with this. Now, whether it was Black Adam tearing people apart in a very visceral and visual way, whether it was some of the softer stuff that they did with the Justice Society and the development they did inside of that, whether it was a big bombastic scenes where Black Adam is using all the creativity in how he pulls people apart but also behind the lens too with the way that they film some of these scenes, the, the slow-mo use and the music and even in behind it was really good. And so to me, this just, it delivered. Is it the best comic book movie of all time? Probably not, but I will say that this is probably, and it's, I'm just kind of rattling around my head, but I, I really want to say and put out into the universe, this is my favorite DCEU, like in that connected universe, the last eight years or whatever it's been, film. Mm-hmm. I, I just... I adored it from start to finish. There, like, there, sure, there's little things in, in here and there, and maybe the villain at the end isn't the greatest thing in the world, but I don't even think that matters. Like, I think what matters is that Dwayne Johnson killed it in the role of Black Adam. The Justice Society shone for me. That was like one of the things I wanted to see so much more of, mm-hmm. and the film just it delivered. That's what we said it needed to do. It needed to deliver. And I think it it exceeded what I think is pretty lofty expectations from both of our both coming from both of us. Yeah, it was it was just a good time at the movies. Like it's the type of movie. It, it it's like it's not a thin red line, but it's Commando. If you're going to like just mm-hmm. kind of your war movie space, where it's like, yeah, could they have told like a a really deep story about slavery and liberation and loss they could have and they touched on those things and those are the pieces that kind of flesh out black adam's character and propel the story forward and they do speak about colonialism and imperialism but they don't make it the focus like they would normally do in a comic book movie those are just the pieces in play for Black Adam to come in and for all hell to break loose as he's throwing pe- like honestly if you haven't seen this movie just watch that opening scene of him showing up and if you don't find it endlessly entertaining to see Black Adam dispatching mercenaries by throwing them all over the place there's something wrong with you because that is the most hilarious thing ever and that he just yeah. chooses to toss people not punch through them, not yeah, not zap them all the time, but just chucking, just chucking guys, yeah. 
It's just throw them across the planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and it's your point about it, it it not going into the deep commentary on on some of the the themes that are embedded inside of the characters' origins and what they do show. I I, I kind of agree with the decision to not go there. Like they do touch on enough, but not every comic book movie film or every big superhero film has to provide some commentary on something, right? It can just be a comic book with an ongoing thread that that shines a bit of a light on a character and promises future development. You know, I think that they they do ground the rock or they ground Black Adam, I should say, in his origins and I'm not familiar with Black Adam's origins, but from the way you explain it, they do 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 a little tweaking here. But I think it's enough for what this film needs it to be because there's a lot of moving pieces in this film mm-hmm. as well. And one of the things I said, uh, you know, as I'm watching this movie, I'm thinking to myself, this feels familiar to me. And the movie that I landed on was actually Avengers one. And, you know, I talked to the guys a little bit about this and, you know, I don't mean a phase one film. I actually mean Avengers one. This feels like both the culmination and the kickoff to something more. And I think that they were able to capture the almost capture what it took, you know, a whole phase to build up to an Avengers culmination film inside of this. Like with the Justice Society, I wanted a little more of those guys and a little more of the emotional connection to Dr. Fate and Hawkman. But like this movie, it, it weaved itself in a way that you kind of caught up as you went and it just felt so organic, the whole story to me. And it just kind of left you wanting more. And I think like the lack of maybe some of the slower paced stuff, I think hides a little bit. Like maybe the rock isn't as strong in some of that and delivering that context, but he's very strong in everything they put him on screen here. And so I think they maneuver around him and let all this Hodge and let Pierce Brosnan take up some of that contextualization and, and bringing some of the, the deeper composition to the film and let DJ do his thing. But I think all of it, the pacing and, and everything, it just felt it felt really good. And I think it's a hell of an accomplishment that in my brain, the first movie I connected to is is like an Avengers film. Yeah, man. And it's, it's one of those where it's just like, it's kind of, as soon as you drew that comparison, I was right there with you because I remember watching the Avengers, the the first one, like we went first showing that was available, pulled the kid out of school and stuff to be able to go see it. And as I'm watching it, I was like, I really dig this. I get it. But I don't know if other people will be able to buy in because it just throws everything at you and goes. Mm. And, you know, history stands for itself. But when you said that, I was like, yeah, that is exactly what Black Adam is like. It Both those movies are just like, this is going to be cool. Trust us. Just go with it, yeah. and we'll show you a good time at the cinema. And, mm-hmm. like, that's exactly what it is. Like, you got that pounding score, and every character gets cool moments and gets showcased well. And there's enough story that, like, you actually like the civilian characters in it. Like, mm-hmm. you want to see more of them going forward. And, they're not really tropey either because they're very unique and there's no love interesty kind of thing playing with them. And you have this mother and son who are 
kind of political revolutionaries and the correlations between Teth Adams family and them is what kind of is the glue that holds the whole movie together. But it, it felt fresh because of that. And it actually made me excited for the prospect of where they take their, those characters going forward. And, you know, people were talking about a Shazam versus black Adam movie or a Superman versus uh, Black Adam movie, and I'm like, I really want to see the Shazamly versus Black Adam, Isis, and Osiris if they decide to go that way. So mm. I think that could be cool, but uh, we'll see what Shazam 2 brings. And yeah, I I dug what they did. And like you said, it just throws you in on the deep end and asks for a bit of trust. And if you give it to them, you'll enjoy the movie. Yeah. Hundred percent. Let's let's talk about the Justice Society. They, for me, surprisingly, played a little bit of a different role than I was expecting. They played somewhat of the antagonist to, to Black Adam, depending on your your lens or your scope here, who is who. But they came rocking and rolling in. Aldous Hodge in the role of Hawkman. Like, I, is he a millionaire in the con? Like everything about him was like I was. Give me my Hawkman movie now. <laughs> like I, I, I've never read this character. I don't know who this character is. I didn't watch any of the CW stuff. Like none. And all I want now is more Doctor Fate, more Cyclone, more Adam Smasher. Give me a Justice Society film. I just want all of that because, in a very short amount of time, they took all these characters and made them incredibly endearing. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you you've got if you want to talk a little tropey, you've got kind of the funny guy and you know, the tech guy and all this kind of stuff, but like you erase some of that trope because that's needed inside of these films. And you've just got really great actors portraying, portraying great characters and characters that I am fully bought into having zero connection to them prior to the opening credits of this film. Yeah, man. And that like, that made me excited. And like, I was able to watch your, your excitement and your buy-in as the Justice Society were doing their thing. And there's that first scene where Hawkman and Dr. Fate confront Black Adam. And I was just like, yes, they've got my boy. Cause it's just like Hawkman is just a badass and he looks great. And then Dr. Fate's voice when he's got the helmet on is mm-hmm. just insane. And uh, yeah, man, like they, they did a great job selling those characters to general audience. Like, both Dr. Fate and Hawkman have loads of cumbersome history and different aspects of their origins that you could get bogged down in, but they're, they gave you just enough that you're like, all right, let's go. Like I, I kind of get what this guy's all, all about. I see where this guy's powers stem from and what they allow him to do. And Let's let's have the story unfold. And then, yeah, you have your young guy, your kind of Peter Parker type character in Adam Smasher, but he was charming and genuinely funny. Oh, he's and, great. Great. Yeah. And he could very easily have become Ant-Man, but you never, ever got that sense from him. Like, I, I thought they no. played him well. And then Cyclone, like, the way they portrayed her powers, it was... I think she was the most impressive on-screen superhero out of all of them because they used her sparingly, but when they had her kind of go off and they had that painterly effect every time she starts doing the whirlwind thing and would just kind of show up within the whirlwind, it was beautiful. So, 
Yeah, I. Yeah. And then they re- threw in like the nanotech thing as a kind of throwaway line to like amp her up a little bit. She's not just like, hey, I have wind and I can go against Black Adam. There's a little bit more built into that. I think that like under, I don't know if that's a comic book thing, but yeah, underpinning her her whole power set with that was really cool. Yeah, like she's a bit of the precursor most of the time, or like her mom is to Red Tornado. So the same okay. scientist that creates Red Tornado was experimenting on humans and metahumans type of things. So that's a, a bit of her origin. But yeah, it was cool that they worked those things in. And you could tell that a lot of care and love and attention went into it. But at the same time, they didn't get too um, too lost in the sauce with it. Like Hawkman's just mm-hmm. like, oh, my whole ship's Inth Metal. And it's like, what the hell is Inth Metal? But if you know, you know, that's cool. And if you don't, you're like, Oh, it just can't get wrecked, and it's uh, super strong. So off we go. Yeah, it, it, it and again in inside of that, that's what I like. I loved about. I don't know if it's the way the dialogue's put together or the way that the whole film is constructed. Is that I didn't find myself asking those questions. I didn't find myself saying like, "Well, I'm lost now because I don't know who Cyclone is and and why Defons is up on his phone." Um, or not Cyclone, Adam Smasher. Why he's up on his phone and talking to him? Right. It's it just goes with this concept of implied history which is okay to do, right? Not everything has to be explained in the moment and not everything even has to be explained by the end of the film. Like we never got resolution on that. He was his uncle, right? So people from the comic books know that history and people watching the film just have to accept that and move forward. And then maybe down the road, it'll be addressed and maybe not. It's okay. Not everything has to be answered inside of these films. But I will say my my biggest, my biggest regret inside of this film is that moment between Dr. Fate and Hawkman, it hit, but if there was a bit more, like I'm not saying it needs a movie, but if there was a bit more, that would have played, I think, a little harder in him making that sacrifice because you just get to the point where you're like, I really love Pierce Brosnan in this role. Dr. Fate is really cool. We get a good look at his power set. And and then he's sacrificing himself, right? And you can see it in Hawkman's, the way he reacts and all this when he's going up against the what turns out to be the final villain and it's just not as impactful as it could have been but given the circumstances of this film and this being their first introduction it still worked really well Mm -hmm. yeah no i i agree it's one of those where it could have been a pretty profound Mm -hmm. moment in the history of the justice society if we had a bit more context and a bit more time with those characters but um yeah, it's one of those where, because I was kind of thinking about it. I was like, well, what other characters, after you mentioned it, could they have plucked from the previous DC films to kind of fill those roles? And you didn't really have a lot because outside no. of your Justice League, and you're not going to really use any of those characters in this, all your other characters are kind of from that Suicide Squad space, yeah. and they're not going to be able to keep up with uh, what's going on. and part of it is just the the circumstance that you have because they didn't cultivate these characters over the last couple mm-hmm. of years but um you know what they introduced five new superpowered dc characters seven if you count um amon and his mother and that's pretty impressive that you were able to integrate that many name brand characters into one movie it works um, and that's to say nothing for Sabak, who they also introduced and 
I thought they wove his origin in well with the film. And yeah, it, it, it asks, it, it asks for a bit from the audience, but it's nothing's a stretch. It gives you all the pieces you need to have a good time. And it's also short enough that you don't feel that it's a chore. It exactly. just, it just moves. I think it's actually like a hair under two hours without credits. Well, and there's a false ending in it too, right? Where I'm thinking like, holy shit, is this how the movie's going to end? I got to put them in this caps. Like what? Like I was very confused because even the score and the tone of the score really implies the end of the film when they're putting Black Adam into this stasis, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, I was literally lost, right? Because a lot of these films, I think from all sides, have become somewhat predictable, right? You go through these kind of, other than maybe the team-ups and all that, you go through these different waves, you peak in the middle, you go down, you have a low moment, you have a peak, and then you, you kind of ride out into the sunset. And that false ending, I, w- I was very confused. And it kind of threw me off. And I'm thinking, should I check? Like, how long have we been in this theater for? I feel like we've only been here for like an hour and 40 minutes or something. Like, there's no way this movie's ending here. But it goes about its its way. And then it it provides the resolution to all of that that is really cool, that, that bridges the gap between maybe true or potential villain to maybe anti-hero. Like, I thought that was a cool way to construct that. But let's talk about the title character here, Black Adam. You know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, this is now his biggest role of all time in this solo project. You know, it's his biggest debut, outpacing Hobbs and Shaw. This matches the debut from a Bacchus perspective of the likes of Aquaman, outperforms the first Shazam film, and really solidifies his place inside of, of DC, not only as a a powerhouse marketing producer and really advocate for DC, but now in a role that I was hoping and praying that we would lose DJ, that he would become something that is different from the persona that we see every single day on the internet. Mm-hmm. I think he accomplished that. I think he was able to deliver this character in a way from the aspects of him being a little uncertain, a little bit of a fish out of water, if you will, in the early part of the movie, to those big action sequences, to even some of the quiet moments with the kid. There are very few of them, but they all work. And DJ delivers here for me. I think this is one of, if not his best performances. And it's probably, you know, the, he looks like The Rock, but it's probably his most transformative character he's ever played, in my opinion, too. Did... Dwayne Johnson deliver for you. Yeah, like I, I agree with all of that. Like you're you're always gonna have a hard time losing Dwayne Johnson in whatever movie mm-hmm. you put him into. But I think that he put in an effort and he made Black Adam his own character. He was legitimately <laughs> a enough of a departure from Dwayne Johnson in the rest of his movies from The Rock in that you did lose him. I think for the first time ever, like mm-hmm. I think we own every single thing that he's ever been in. And so I've seen it all. And I think that's the first time that you're like, he was actually a different character in this. Right. And mm-hmm. he's not the only one guilty of it. Like George Clooney has been Dr. Doug Ross for his entire career. So it's like, <laughs> there, there's lots of guys that do that, but uh, yeah, no, I, for what you could hope for, given his range, I think you got the best possible um, performance out of him. 
as Black Adam. And then you had the rest of the cast really prop him up, right? Like the young boy uh, that plays Amon, he was he was good. He had this vulnerability to him um, that the Rock could kind of play off of. And uh, Sarah Sahe, who played Adriana, like I really love that they actually cast an age-appropriate actress for who could be a love interest, but also for a motherly character type of thing. Um, she brought a lot of ferocity and like a really genuine feel to her character that helped him out too. And then, yeah, like you said, Pierce Brosnan and Aldous Hodge were perfect for him to play off Mm -hmm. of kind of thing. Right. So Aldous Hodge being the straight man and Pierce being the effortlessly charming Pierce Brosnan was perfect. So yeah, yeah, the rock could be a bit more stoic because Aldous got to do the straight man bit off him all the time. Yeah, exactly. And, and like to that point about being stoic, it's methodical, it's slow, it's calculated everything that he does there. And I think the importance of, of the mother character and even the kid is they, they kind of shift some of the more traditional, here's my origin story lines that come from a main character. And they shift those over to, to the mother in that, right? Like they give it to them and the delivery. So I, you know, Dwayne Johnson is a great actor, but he does have a limited range. And I think by leveraging characters around him that that really worked for me too, is it doesn't depend on him to deliver some of the over the top origin style stuff, right? They, he does a bit of it inside when he's talking about his son and everything, mm-hmm. but they, they play off certain elements, even him looking at the statue, right? It's not explicit. It's not like that's all kind of layered in there and, I think they really filmed to his strengths, which I think really worked and why this is, like I said, a more transformative role for him because not, not to say that his other roles don't like they filmed to his strengths because he's a very charismatic dude, but that was a piece that they needed to pull out of this character and drop something different in. And I think by kind of switching things up a little bit, they're able to accomplish that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's just, it's a bit of smart resource management, right? Where you know the pieces Mm -hmm. that you have on the board and you use certain ones to get the most out of, out of your crew. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Yeah. I, I I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't love the kid. He was, he was good. He was fine. Skateboarded a lot. (laughs) He's in and out of situations and I was like, okay, we'll, we'll just, we'll buy into this piece of it just, just because it's a superhero movie and all that kind of stuff. But um, you do have to suspend a bit of, of your foundational belief in like humans to a degree to allow this kid to do the things that he does inside of this. But there's always got to be that lens for, for your four quadrant films, right? Like in the absence of a kid, you, you potentially lose a bit of uh, a bit of your audience because the kids and I, I've seen this more so over the last, you know, decade is that kids need to see a kid to run with a movie and be like, Oh, Hey, I can be that person or I can, you know, interact like this. Mm-hmm. And so without that lens, it becomes a bit more difficult and it's not impossible, but I think you do need that. And I think that was an important piece of the film, but again, you have to suspend a bit of, bit of belief there on, on what the kid does. Yeah. Well, he's totally just short round, right? To, yeah. <laughs> to DJ Zindi. 100%. Yeah. 
uh, well, you know, I guess let's let's touch on a few more things here before we get into to the overall letter grade with regards to to Black Adam here. We got a couple more minutes here on the review. You know, there's not a whole bunch left to say. You know, the hair department was on fire. You know, there's some pretty <laughs> wild ass hair inside of this film. Um, but as a whole, let's talk about like the movie as a whole. Or actually, let's let's pause here for a second. Let's let's talk about the inclusion of Amanda Waller in this as well. <laughs> oh yeah, man! Like they they wove Amanda Waller and Task Force X into this thing mm. brilliantly. Like they tripled down on making her the baddest lady on the planet and somebody to be um, to be fearful of. So. I, I love that they used her as much as they did and that DC's taking advantage of having an asset like a like Viola Davis in their in their arsenal. It it was a pleasant surprise. So not only did they use her, but they put Amelia Harcourt into the movie as well to That was reinforce, amazing. Yeah. Reinforce that Suicide Squad connection without bringing the Suicide Squad into it. So yeah, it's it's kind of neat that you had that little piece of background and that's one of the things you can uh do when you have a an established connected universe right so you have her as the face of your government superhero arm and you can utilize her for and that was one of the themes they played with was kind of the role that these global entities take um in sovereign countries right and I love things like the people of Kandak calling out Hawkman and being like, yeah, we actually don't want you here. We're we're yeah. down with this guy killing all these mercenaries. Yeah, where where you been, bro? Yeah. <laughs> you know? We've we've been here suffering for for hundreds of years. And now you show up once we I like that line. Now you show up once we have someone to protect us. Now you're here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and to be honest, like that's the thing I give Black Adam the most credit for. I do where it loses the most points for me is not leaning into that as much as I personally wanted it to, but it it's certainly, it really feels like a choice on the part of the movie mm. was that that's what made this film unique is that you have a anti-hero who's actually looked up to by this oppressed people type of thing. Mm-hmm. And not only do they look up to him, but they question the rest of the, heroic and political establishment as to where were you and why and who are you to tell us what to do and where to go within our country type of thing so yeah well that's that's the beautiful piece of it it to to kind of to pull on the thread from a little earlier too is that not every film has to do this but because of where they leave black adam at the end of this film there is room to explore that in the future this isn't a one and done. His origins are out. We don't have to talk about this piece of it anymore because he's been asked to stay inside of that city or country. He effectively can expand on that concept a bit more, dig further into the origins, you know, as he makes a potential decision to leave or whatever happens in inevitable black Adam two or black Adam versus Superman confrontation down the road. There's going to be more of that. And something like that could be, more fundamentally built into this uh, a Superman confrontation down the road as well. And so I, I think you, you lose some of the Justice Society stuff. You lose some of the mother and kid stuff. 
and you might lose an action sequence or two if you really want to dig into some of those themes in a really impactful way. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm okay with them hitting pause on that for now in light that they could potentially do it down the road in a, in a bigger way. This, this isn't, I don't, I don't find this, you know how we were looking for something really big inside of Falcon and winter soldier for it to really, really address some of the, the social issues that it kind of teased and never really delivered on that. Mm-hmm. I'm not feeling that same, same, same sort of, well, they really kind of miss an opportunity here to provide some commentary. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's, that's cool. Yeah. I totally get that actually. Now that you put it in that, like it still works in its absence type of thing. Like it feels like a a choice as opposed to an omission. Yes, exactly. And, and like, I think a choice in the sense that we can address, we can talk about this down the road. This can be an ongoing thing built into the history and, and really the fundamentals of black Adam that we can, we can look at this through the lens of an anti-hero. And now you've got Superman standing next to him, which is like the pure representation of a hero. And you put these guys on opposing sides, right? To a degree. Mm-hmm. And, but they fundamentally represent similar things, but different. I, I think it's a kind of a cool, you know, it much more than the Batman versus Superman. There's, there's a really cool dynamic to, to putting these two characters against each other down the road, or at least implying that there will be a confrontation because they, they're standing for similar ish stuff, different approaches to it. Right. Which is like an ideological difference, which is fundamentally what humans have been fighting over for, for for the last hundreds of years, right? Ideological differences. But trying to do the right thing for what they believe is the best for their people. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, not, totally. Well, not excusing dictators and all this kind of crap, but like, you know what I mean? Yeah, but and they've set it up where Superman could be in the wrong. Right? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> intervening. So, yeah, they, they really did a pile of work to get the movie where – where it needed to be for the future. And kind of as you were talking through that, I was like, yeah, like they've done some interesting things and there's some pretty cool stories from the comics that they could play with, with that dynamic that they've now set up. So yeah, with, and that's always the challenge with doing an origin story, right? Is that you've got to do a pile of heavy lifting at the outset, Mm -hmm. but that sets you up to tell, um, different types of things down the road and play with some of those pieces um, in a much more robust way down the line. Mm-hmm. What I think now that we have this DC studios forming underneath or <laughs> concurrently with the release of black Adam, the announcement of Cavill being back is that there was always the outlook that short of black Adam making a $20 million run at the box office as we get, this is a franchise Dwayne Johnson does not think in a one-and-done scope, right? He is always – the wheels are spinning about what's next, how does this continue on, how to build, build, build. That is fundamentally what he's about. And so when we're talking about purposeful emissions, that like that is what DJ is doing here. He's building a brand. He's building a franchise for him to live inside of, Right. The guy loves being creative. He loves the business aspect of it. But let's be frank. He does not need a Black Adam 2 and 3 because the for money, right? He's doing this because he wants to deliver. He's got a passion for this. And he wants to see this character become a household name. Like I talked about on the, on the live stream, Black Adam, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Cyclone, 
Adam Smasher. These are becoming household names nearly overnight. Like that is crazy to me because I don't know any of these characters and I, I don't have like the deepest root in comic book history, especially DC, but I know enough about stuff. But the fact that people are clamoring for more of this stuff, let's, let's talk about this. Like how cool is, is it that black Adam is just delivering on that level? Yeah, man. Like I, I bought literally granola bars with Hawkman on them. It was just insane. I was just like, Hey, this is kind of cool to buy uh, the old nature Valley chocolate granola bars and, there's our boy Hawkman on the front of it, so bring it. It's an unbelievable world, unbelievable where we live in. And let's 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 wrap this one up. You know, we talked a lot about about Black Adam here, the Justice Society, and what this film really did. But let's land on on where it sits inside of your letter grade, and give me some final thoughts here on Black Adam. Yeah, man. As far as final thoughts, honestly, all I can say to the listeners out there is just go to the film you to have a good time and you will have yes. a good time guaranteed like it's just a fun superhero action romp it's not the deepest movie in the world but it also establishes enough themes and threads to make the movie a full experience as opposed to just nothing but eye candy it is gorgeous looking movie you can certainly see the benefits of them taking the extra bit of time with the special effects and using the same cinematographer that they had on joker so the lighting is great the shots are great so you do get a bonafide superhero spectacle honestly this movie would be graded a little higher for me i've touched on it a few times but there's just those pieces that are really special to me about the character that I think they they touched on just enough for the purposes of what they were doing here. I would have liked to see a bit more of it or even just small things like in the final battle, if you pull on some of those threads with the mercenaries and the invaders that open the movie. So those, those people that have been coming into Kondak and mm-hmm. taking their resources and stuff like that. So when you have the zombie scene at the end, if you have maybe the mercenaries being reanimated and the zombies that come from the ground being the invaders from back in the day, like little pieces like that to just keep banging that drum as to why Black Adam is important to the people of Kondak um, would have probably bumped it up a bit for me. But honestly, it's a solid B, B plus for me. Um probably a b but i'll give it that little bump because it was just such a damn fun time it's a b but because that rock and score and rock and fights it's got to be a b plus and dr fate's there you go man there you go there it is b for black adam b plus because it's uh rock and roll man love it (laughs) i absolutely love it you know what I'm kind of sitting in a very similar headspace with all this is that I went in with expectations. I came out with those exceeded. That's very important to me. And, you know, we try to temper those expectations going in because at times that can be more of an influence on your feeling for a film. If you're walking in being it, I want it to be A, B, and C. I walked in and said, I just want this to be experienced. I want to have fun with Dwayne and I want to have fun with these characters. And I want to feel immersed inside of a universe again. And I felt that in this, that was what was really cool to me is that I felt really 
intensely engaged with half a dozen characters over the course of whatever this is, two hours. And you can't ask for much else inside of a film than that. Yes, there are some things that you can, you can we can throw a bit of mud at. Didn't love the kid, some of the CGI stuff. The MacGuffin is the MacGuffin. It's a crown that glows. You know what I mean? Like, there was some cool things that it, that was allowed or that allowed for that to expand on a bit of the origin and, and what that is all about. But, you know, a MacGuffin is, is just that. It's something to chase around inside of a film, and it didn't need to be anything special. I think DJ shines in this. I am ecstatic that he was able to deliver this in the way that he wanted to and to give this character to the fans the way that he wanted to in the way that I think that that we wanted it as well. And so I thought it was cool. The Justice League, come on, give me my Justice League film, my Hawkman film, all of that. I want it all. I want to be greedy right now, and I want to ask for all of it. James Gunn, if you're listening, please, you know, lock up that Superman, lock up the, this Batman, Wonder Woman stuff and all that. Get your core four sorted. But I need to I need to see the Justice Society right behind them. I, I really want to see where these characters go, this potential revolving team. Who's next? What's going on here? But ultimately, when it comes down to the letter grade of, of Black Adam, I'm I'm basically in the same spot. I'm going to give this a, a B. Um, it, but to be honest with you, the only reason it's not higher is because I'm trying to shoulder this with other films, like with other different films. But this in my head, this could be an A. Like it, it really has the potential to swing that much because of, like you said, I just had a really fun time with this. My experience was great with all these characters and you know i feel excited again about the dc studios film universe or whatever it's going to be called and so I, i'm gonna i'm gonna stay with a b because i feel feel like that's the most realistic but the swing on this is is enormous for me on the positive side mm-hmm. one like just how great is it is that we saw a movie that we loved and it sets up exciting things for the future and then we get announcements about that future mm-hmm. And the stewardship of it that are exciting. Fuck it, man. The last time I saw a DC movie that I really loved, the Monday, there was a big bucket of cold water poured on me. So, yeah, it, it's cool. It's exciting times. And um, it's just nice to know that there's things set up and uh, things that the filmmakers want for the future. And there's a very realistic chance that we're going to get those things and more and more is what is key and so there it is black adam review the future of dc guys is looking bright let's let's go back to the summertime there's there's a lot of people that are pretty upset and pretty sad about the state of dc and fast forward to what was the first weekend of winter here in calgary with a foot and a half of snow dropping on us and our temperatures plummeting 30 degrees in a short few days and here we are on the other side of it already with a bright, shiny future for DC, DC Studios. What is next for them? I'm very excited, and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call it there. We're gonna call this a DC holistic podcast, talking all to DC. We got some Marvel stuff, Toy Stream coming up potentially next week. We got a crossover with our uh, with our friends. I don't even know if that's been fully announced, but maybe should we announce that right now? Sure. Why not? Yeah. I think I think so, our boy Sergio teased it, but yeah. Yeah, so we're gonna we're gonna be doing a, a crossover episode with our, our good friend Sergio and the crew over there at House of Nerd. 
Um, a great comic show that has a weekly YouTube show on Sunday mornings where they talk comics, they talk creators. Awesome, awesome stuff. A nice compliment to what we do here in the Nerd Room. And we're going to be doing a bit of crossover where we're going to have him on the show. We're going to talk some toys. And and then we're going to go over on to the House of Nerd and we're all going to talk some comic books and stuff like that. And there's going to be a theme weaved into this, you know, given the, the time of year and all that. So I'll leave the theme, put a pin in that. But the crossover is happening. So it might happen for us next week. We're still trying to sort out. But we will be on his show, I believe, on November 6th. So that is this coming Sunday or next Sunday? Next Sunday. Next Sunday. Um, we'll be on, on his show and he's going to be on ours either next week or the week following November 6th. And so we're going to have a nice little back and forth across there as well. Well, and don't forget L. You can't can't forget yes, L. She she's my she's my ride or die for the uh, co-host takeover. Yes, the hierarchy of power in the nerd room is about to change. <laughs> it is. And you can catch actually Carlos not only teaming up here with the House of Nerd, but you can catch myself and Carlos all over the podcasting world. You know, we talked about Carlos making some appearances <laughs> on some previous podcasts. We both showed up on Vigilante 1939 a week or so ago on their live stream. And I was on Generation X Wing talking Andor last week as well. So you can go check all of those different shows out with all those amazing creatives in the podcasting space who so graciously let us come onto their podcast and talk about some of the things that we hold near and dear. So we appreciate everyone. And then we're trying to reciprocate and bring in some people on. So we're having lots of fun here in the crossover space. But with all of that being said, Carlos, it's time to to say goodbye for this week. So I will say, if you want to give us your opinions on Black Adam or anything that we talked about today, you can always email us at thenerdroom at gmail.com. You can find everything we do over at thenerdroom.net. YouTube, we're working on it, guys. Toy Stream Live's coming up here very shortly. We've got a new figure review up there from Ian. We're building that out. We are creeping ever so close to 500 subscribers in there, just in the background here. I'm going to give you a live update. If we get to 500 subscribers, we've got something special coming from our man, Jared. He has offered to donate something for a giveaway as we creep ever so closer to this. What do we have? 494. So as we creep out towards 500, we're going to be having a prize. We're going to have something donated here by a good friend, Jared, who's a longtime listener of the podcast. So just a tease there, guys. We're trying to build that out and have some fun there. So... That's YouTube. Twitter handles at the end of the show. You can usually find myself or Carlos there if you'd like to get a hold of us. But with Black Adam and all this great positive DC news all just sitting in front of us, not even saying the review. This is just sitting in front of us, and we're going to enjoy it. But until next week, guys, until we talk some more DC, Star Wars, Marvel, and whatever else we talk about, Star Wars and beyond, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. And tell them the man in black send you. <laughs> guys and thank you so much for entering the nerd room this has been a nerd room podcast production you can find our hosts tim troy sanjay and carlos on twitter at the nerd rm troy the boy 87 sanjabi and cdn caped crusade r for more content from the nerd room check out the nerdroom.net and don't forget to subscribe to the nerd room on itunes podbean spotify or wherever you plug in use the hashtag we the nerd to keep up with the latest from the nerd room on instagram and twitter